0: Oh, oh, shine upon the darkness, the oh, word of truth, shine bright. Abide with me forever, your law is my delight. Hey everyone, and welcome to Theonamoney where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. In other words, to his grandchildren, leaving an inheritance not just to his children, but even to their children, which takes a lot of wealth and property to be able to do that. And so for that, go back to the first full-length episode, which was on private property and scripture. But apart from that, very extended introduction, this is Jeremy Collins, the host of Theana Money, and this week I've got another interview for you all. This one is with Peter Boland from the Five Sola Studios podcast and YouTube page and everything else that Peter does over there. And unlike some of the other interviews, well actually all of the other interviews so far, this interview was done in person in my house when Peter was in town rather than over Zoom or anything else I was using for the other episodes so far that were interviews. So I'm really excited for y'all to get to hear it. Peter's a good buddy, good friend of mine, and he's doing a lot of good work over there at Five Sola Studios. But before I cut into the interview, I just want to remind you all that if you are listening to this and you are liking what you're hearing, go ahead and you know like the podcast, heart it, whatever your specific podcast catcher has for that option. Subscribe to it. Turn on notifications and auto-download and all that stuff. Uh, Tell your friends about it. Rate and review it. Like our social media posts. Follow us on social media. I'm on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Gab, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Follow us on everything. Like our stuff. Share our stuff. Do all this stuff to help help me tell the world about how uh, God's law teaches us about every aspect of life. God's law is not only good to point us to the gospel, as Paul said it does in Galatians, but it also teaches us how to order our lives, even our nation's economics, rightly. And so this podcast isn't about me getting my name out there. If this podcast was completely anonymous, then it would make hardly any difference to me at all. I'd more want the message to get out there than my name to get out there. And when I do want my name to get out there, then I probably need to repent for my pride. Uh, so, with all that being said, y'all, I hope you like this podcast episode with this interview with Peter Boland. Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy, the host of Theonamoney, and this week for the episode, I am interviewing Peter Boland from Five Sola Studios, so... Why don't you tell everyone a bit about yourself and about Five Sola Studios?
1: Yeah, so Five Sola Studios, uh, they really just start as the outgrowth of our family. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, my wife and I have been married almost 18 years now, which is really cool. The married life is good and it gets better with time, uh, contrary to what Hollywood would tell us. Uh, and, uh, you know, together we've had four kids. And yeah, this just the Five Sola Studios just kind of grew out of our family and uh, how, how we function as a ministry together, so...
0: I would not have guessed you're old enough to have been married for 18 years.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we got married a little young, and um, which I would have married her actually sooner in hindsight. I probably waited longer than I I should have, but I also just have a young face other than my gray hairs, I guess. And Plus, I'm immature, so it makes me look younger.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so that's good. Um, glad with what you're doing at Five Solar Studios, doing a lot of good work there, and you're bringing scripture to bear in the culture a little bit of a different way than what Money is doing. Money is more focused on economics and you're kind of general, like everything. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Which I, I'm glad that you're do. you know, what you're doing with Money is such an important thing. Like, I think we're living in a day and age where Christians need to think about. It. I mean, like, yeah, so I cover everything, but I don't specialize in anything which has pros and cons, mm-hmm. right? but like if we're pro- so my tagline is proclaiming the supremacy of christ over all things and we need to proclaim the supremacy of christ over money and mm-hmm. over the economy how should christians think about money from a distinctly christian world view and yeah. so what you're doing here with this is is fantastic we need mm-hmm. to think about that and uh hopefully teach younger folks to think like that as as well mm-hmm.
0: yeah especially with all these claims people are making now like Jesus was a socialist, you know, all the kinds of stuff like (laughs) Jesus was a socialist, Acts 2 supports socialism, the manna with Israel in the wilderness supports socialism, all of which are going to be future episodes that I'm going to talk about why those ideas are wrong.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, man. And I've I've heard that one from Acts 2 so much. And it's funny, you know, that's one of those Mm -hmm. things where i, I want to go on a little like hashtag eschatology matters rant right mm-hmm. because if you under rightly understand you know uh the olivet discourse
0: you know matthew chapter 24. yeah they knew about 35 years all their property would be getting r- laid waste anyways Right.
1: <laughs> yeah they were selling their houses because mm-hmm. it's like this is bad real estate <laughs> jerusalem's about to get wrecked it's mm-hmm. not because they were promoting socialism it's because of, of what what was about to happen because mm-hmm. they knew jesus's words were going to come to bear, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, when I was in college, for a, one of my classes, I actually touched on that in a paper and explained how Acts two doesn't support socialism. And my professor, she uh loved it so much, she asked me if she could use that paper as an example for how to do the assignment well the next time she taught it. Oh, that's
1: awesome! That's and cool. Praise God. That
0: was actually I either wasn't partial preterist yet, or was like just getting into it and hadn't made the connection between Acts two and partial preterism yet. So I was like not even touching partial preterism, just showing how the argument is wrong with x2 <laughs> that's awesome though yeah mm-hmm. praise god
1: for that well that's cool mm-hmm. and then a uh, great example of how the kingdom of god does advance because there you do one little thing and then it influences others and then mm-hmm. who knows how many disciples have been made or people <laughs> yeah. have been influenced by that paper long after you were gone
0: yeah i hope she really did use that as an example the next year and didn't forget about it
1: <laughs> yeah that, that that's really cool mm-hmm. yeah i mean the economy is something these days that we need to think about like you know, when you look at what's going on in our culture right now, you know, obviously there, there's tyranny everywhere. There, there, there's government regulation upon government regulation everywhere, and uh, and that's the way that these these folks are able to pressure and manipulate us. That they, they are, you know. So we are in the middle of a communist revolution right now, uh, but it, most folks don't realize it because it's. Using economic pressure rather than physical torture. Mm-hmm. So you go back to the the Bolshevik Revolution, you know, and they were like stripping people naked and dipping them in acid baths, or they would crush their skulls slowly with pliers, or they had something called the brand, red brain, where they would take an iron tongue, stick it in the fire, get glowing mm-hmm. red, and stick it up your, your your rear end. And and so we're accustomed to thinking of totalitarians mm-hmm. and tyranny in those terms. But what they're doing now is no less evil or no less totalitarian. Was mm-hmm. hey, you got to wear a mask if you want that paycheck. Hey, mm-hmm. you really want to feed your children? Do you really want to keep eating food, living in a house, right? And next is going to be mandatory. We shouldn't say mandatory vaccines. Mandatory experimental MRA. <laughs> you know, mandatory yeah. lab rat, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. The uh, for any of the listeners who also listen to the Biden Line, James White has talked multiple times in the last few months and. He's not just some guy that's a theologian thinking he knows about biology. He actually has a degree in biology saying the reason MRNA vaccines, if you want to call them a vaccine at that point, because a vaccine is actually giving you part of the like dead or almost dead. uh, weakened virus. yeah. 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 But, um, the MRNA, the reason it's never been used on humans before is every time it failed on the animal tests because your immune system is more than just antibodies you've got your fighter t cells and your marker cells and all that other stuff you can have all the antibodies in the world but with, if your marker cells aren't finding the thing what are the antibodies going to do
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and if i recall correctly yeah it wasn't a vaccine when they did the animal trials it was M- mrna and they were no. going to do it some other way and then they couldn't get it pass like they couldn't get through because all the the animals animals died died. Mm -hmm. right and then they switched it to a quote so-called vaccine of course this is an orwellian nightmare because it's new speak you have to Mm -hmm. redefine words erase old definitions but there's no liability for vaccines so Mm -hmm. if they call it a vaccine what failed in the animal trials they're now free to do without liability to try it on humans like we are mm-hmm. literally like no one knows exactly what's going to happen but we, we are the we clinical are, trials we, yeah we uh whoever got that thing certainly not i uh are, are the uh lab rats in the clinical trials and mm-hmm. no one can be held accountable like there uh, mm-hmm. other than to god of course they will render an account but as far as
0: humanly speaking at court of law, there's nothing that can be done. <laughs> yeah. And then a minute ago, you're talking about the economic stuff. That's yeah. like different than how it was a century ago. And even the thing with that is like the, it's kind of like the big businesses, some of the big businesses, big tech have their hand in the pockets of the government. So that way it's stuff that they, if the government was to do it, it'd be unconstitutional. But if a business does, it, it's just the free market, but it's like, the business does it as the business and the government wink at each other.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a revolving door between mm-hmm. the government, like uh, FDA kind of things, and the big, uh, big pharma companies and all of that. It, it, it is, it is absolute insanity. I mean, it and it really still is unconstitutional. It's just not mm-hmm. as blatantly yeah. unconstitutional. The government
0: just kind of gives them a wink as they doesn't do it and look the other way. <laughs> yeah. And that—that's where you
1: really see the the glory of the free market and how mm. it's supposed to work. Where mm. you know, if you have a free market, it's actually a restraint against evil. Mm. When you have a big overgrown government, uh, and, and you don't have a Christian economy actually functioning mm. or a biblical free market actually functioning, you, you, you're you're basically a slave, more or less, yeah. in some sense. We're we're free free ranging slaves. Yeah,
0: biblical <laughs> free market. You don't have all of these this government involvement as barriers to entry your only barriers to entry in a biblical free market is just the know-how and the capital which in some industries there's not a whole lot of capital up front and some there are you know you need to be pretty wealthy if you're going to start an airline industry because that requires a lot of capital up front but that should those things like that should be the only barriers to market entry not all the government stuff that You know, as much as I'm from Detroit and I hate to say anything bad against Ford and Chevy, Ford and Chevy try to get the government to add all these safety checks to keep other car industries from or car manufacturers from entering the industry.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then and it really, you know, so right. Proverbs says the mercy of the wicked is cruel. Right. Mm -hmm. Like so, I mean, I think where I live, you know, there's a whole lot of poor folks. And it's like, but a lot of them are really crafty. They know how to do stuff with their hands. Mm-hmm. And in a true free market, I mean, these guys could be making, like, eat, whether it be deer jerky or crafts out of wood, like legitimate mm-hmm. goods and services, They, they right? And... And they could be making more wealth more you know Mm -hmm. and doing good for themselves so that future generations could be better educated uh, they could afford private education Mm -hmm. but no one can do that because yeah there's so many regulations and and so much more taxes you have to pay, especially now under the the Biden regime Mm -hmm. where like now you're looking at like, okay, I need a $100,000 to start a business instead of, hey, I already got these tools out in my garage, Mm -hmm. right? And I already have the skills because my daddy taught me. Now let me put it to work and make some money.
0: Yeah, because there's so much government involvement that your uh, kid's lemonade stand on the corner of the street is breaking the law because they didn't get a (laughs) permit for it. You know, that's one thing. Um, I just want to say this at the beginning. I wasn't a huge Trump fan. I think he did a lot of good things for the economy, but I wasn't, like, the biggest Trump fan ever. But he did basically give us the best economy we'd had in, like, 20 years. And with talking about that regulation, he said going in he was going to cut two regulations for every one he added. He didn't. He cut 16 for every one he added. I think a lot of our good economy under Trump wasn't because he lowered taxes because we were too high up on the – Oh, what is it, the Laffer curve? I'm drawing a blank on the term, the term about like the, the curve with the tax rate. Right, and yeah, yeah. I think it's Laffer, but I'm drawing a blank on my. That might be something else. But yeah, we're, we're so high up on that tax curve that he lowered taxes, which actually boosted government income. And then he cut so many regulations that actually stimulated the economy by cutting regulations. So that way there could be more entry to market and more growth for people already in the market. So I think that was just an example of where regulations actually hurt the economy, not just hurt the individuals, because we saw Trump cutting regulations and the economy doing amazing until the lockdowns because COVID-19 didn't hurt the economy. The lockdowns did.
1: And see, the thing with that is, is these these leftist politicians, they're not stupid. Mm -hmm. They know that's how you create a thriving economy. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point. Why did Biden get in office and then start reversing everything Trump did? it's because they don't want us to flourish they do mm-hmm. want slaves they do want us to to be slaves to the government mm-hmm. the government wants to impoverish the people and basically control every aspect of life
0: well why else would they do all the banning of hydroxychloroquine uh i have a friend that i have two a friend or cousin that actually should have died of covid it was at the beginning they told us don't expect him to survive they gave him hydroxychloroquine and three days later he went home from the hospital that was at the beginning before it became so political yeah not too long ago i had a good friend back in michigan die of COVID 19 i think if they had given him hydroxychloroquine he may have had a similar story to the first guy and so personally i think governor whitmer practically committed manslaughter on him for banning hydroxychloroquine that could have saved his life
1: i agree and even the natural dietary supplements that uh Were proven really helpful. So, where I forget where the study came out of, but they found that I, I want to say India, but I'm not sure if that's mm. correct, where they found that people uh, there was a connection between a vitamin D deficiency and COVID deaths. And so, it's like, yeah, if you're getting plenty, uh, I think it was 5,000 milligrams
0: of vitamin D, if you're getting zinc, vitamin C, yeah. right? I think like, the 5,000 was C. I think. Zinc is it? a lot lower than that. I don't yeah, know. Zinc like was, yeah, zinc was zinc was lower I think D was a lot lower. Yeah, it might have been. I don't remember yeah, yeah, I don't
1: remember the exact numbers. But yeah, there's certain dietary things. But you can't even mm-hmm. put those out there, like here, boost your immune system. Mm-hmm. But, but of course if we were boosting our immune systems we'd have to be recognizing that we are creatures created in the image Mm -hmm. of God and that God actually designed our bodies to function and withstand these things. Mm -hmm. And because these people want to be God, Mm -hmm. no, they have to be your immune system. They have to create the things Mm -hmm. that are going to fix you. And it it really, this really comes out of a a Darwinian, Mm -hmm. you know, atheistic worldview.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Actually, when you look at the studies, a lot of the countries that in 2020 did better when it came to cases of COVID 19 deaths from COVID 19, all of that, a lot of the countries that did better, were countries in a warmer climate that had an earlier spring and an earlier summer. And a lot of the countries that did worse were ones in a colder climate that had a col- a later spring and a later summer. So really, when you look at the test, there's more correlation to how early summer was and how few deaths happened than anything to do with mass.
1: Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and now, now mm-hmm. we're in this mess and the question is always like, okay, well, how do we yeah. get out of the mess?
0: Oh. Real quick, I just wanna in case someone didn't make the connection. I was making I I forgot to spell that out. Uh, Summer is better for your immune system than winter is. You're getting fresh air. You're outside more because it's warm. You're getting the sun, which is a natural vitamin D source. Like vitamin D from a multivitamin is good. Vitamin D from the sun is natural. So that's the earlier summer happened. Those nations had people that were basically getting their immune system back to the summer immune system levels earlier, and therefore those were nations where less people died. So. It wasn't just like the the weather magically made people not die of COVID-19 it was the summer boosted people's immune system because they're outside more getting more sun and that resulted in less people dying of COVID.
1: Which which is the funniest thing because then you saw them saying and I think you mentioned Dr. White earlier I think he shared a post about this like they wanted you to uh go out like if you went on your Mm -hmm. boat they -hmm. wanted you to wear a mask it's like are you are you Mm -hmm. like that was one of their specific examples like are you kidding me you're outside in Mm -hmm. the fresh air in the sunlight and yeah. you still want that stupid like why that's mm-hmm. so like it's so patently absurd and you would think no one would ever actually follow that but then you see people walking down the sidewalk all the time mm-hmm. by
0: themselves with a mask
1: like are you kidding me that fresh air isn't going to hurt you bro mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah like when you're out on you know for me growing up around Detroit like Lake Erie was close to me there If you're on a Lake Erie on your boat, there's no way someone's going to be within six feet of you unless they're also on your boat. (laughs) So like, what's the point of having a mask out there? Someone's going to sneeze 200 feet away from you across the water and it's going to make it to you?
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. And that's going to so dissipate, you're more likely Mm -hmm. to have germs stuck on that cloth diaper that's going to infect you than than someone else even being around you breathing. Mm -hmm. It's... It's so crazy, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, I, and it's so crazy that it just it boggles my mind. Like, you know, this is one of those things where you have to go. This is the judgment of God. How mm-hmm. how how is it that people could be so deceived? And mm-hmm. the only category I have for that is God's judgment. Confusion yeah. and God's judgment often go hand in hand. Um, yeah. The know.
0: the way I kind of like to look at it is, you know, Psalm one ten one. Christ is putting all of his enemies under his feet. Sometimes he actively is putting them under his feet by his divine direct act other times he just lets pagans be pagan and they put themselves under his feet by being stupid
1: (laughs) yeah and that's isn't that the funniest thing right yeah that this whole movement has like, even if we did nothing and we mm. just all hid underground, not that that would mm. be biblical, but it has within it the seeds of its own destruction. I mean, these people, they're not having babies. Mm-hmm. They're killing babies. They, they, they're destroying the economy. Like, they're not educated. They're not even producing people who are going to make great leaders for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they can't sustain their own movement. It's going to die. It's just a matter of time.
0: <laughs> yeah. So tying all this back to the economy again, what do you think? We can do when it comes to christians potentially getting canceled for i don't know a restaurant won't let you in if you don't have the vaccine or they won't sell to you if you don't have the vaccine or different stuff like that if they start trying to economically cancel christians what do you think is a good solution to that
1: so you know and, and it's hard because realistically what we should do we should have been doing years ago Mm -hmm. and that's to build we need to build distinctly christian businesses Mm -hmm. uh, and and network we need to encourage and support uh christian businesses and and ministries and things like that that way we have a distinctly christian economy so that they're not Mm -hmm. able to control us but the thing is is you know that would have been done 50 years ago And we could have a whole other thing about how bad eschatology influenced that, right? That escapist Mm -hmm. mindset that was in the churches to where folks felt like, Hey, you get saved and then you're going to get raptured out of here instead of thinking about building. So now it's going to be harder to build. Mm -hmm. We are in the middle of all this, but this is still the time to build. Yeah, I think that's ultimately what we need to do. We need to have the mindset like, for example, um, Gab, you know, so they see these things coming and they're building a network where Christians can have a free market online mm-hmm. and they're doing it from the ground up so they have their own servers they're doing their own programming they built their own video uh, thing they built their own marketplace mm-hmm. so that you can buy and sell and they're promoting distinctly Christian stuff They actually uh, shared one of my videos on the Trinity and the gospel it was a very Calvinistic video oh. in their mm-hmm. official newsletter that they sent out to all their people on Gab like they're actually helping to promote Christian content. it's like, that's wow. what we need. We need more of that kind of stuff where, yeah. <laughs> where, where, where we're building uh, things like that.
0: From what I hear, Torba is a very new believer like within the last year. And that some of the Moscow guys like Cross Politic, are actually some of the people discipling him. So that's real interesting to see where he'll be in a few years, if that keeps up.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he's reading guys like uh, David Chilton and oh, stuff wow. like that so yeah he, he he's gonna be a he's gonna be a raging age stage uh, post millennialist before too long if he's not already which is fantastic
0: <laughs> you actually have just sitting right by me productive christians in an age of guilt manipulators by dave chilton oh cool i haven't read that that sounds sounds mm-hmm. great though yeah um if you you can get a pdf of it for free on gary north's website as well oh. if you can't find a physical copy
1: oh that's awesome
0: yeah, um, actually, I've got another book here I'm going to start soon called Durable Trades, family-centered, economics that are Family-Centered Economies That Have Stood the Test of Time. And I think stuff like that is good because this guy is basically looking at trades that have been around for a long time, like trades that predate the Industrial Revolution, but not just a trade that you're not going to get fired because it stood the test of time, also ones that are family-centered. He has family-centered in the subtitle of the book, so... Things like whatever I'm going to learn about when I actually open this book up, these are probably good, you know, good industries for Christian men to go into where they can have a Christian economy, where you have, you know, in your church a farmer, a farmer farming his crops for land, another farmer that's more of a meat farmer for cattle, chicken, stuff like that, or a farmer who does both. You know, you've got woodworkers and various other different things that you need all in your church. And then maybe if they ever do try to economically cancel us, you and a couple other local churches just kind of band together and just have your own little small economy in your local area if all the big businesses are canceling you.
1: Yeah, and, and the whole idea of having a, a family too, like even as far as like localized individual families, it's, uh you know, so again, we have four kids. And... When you do homeschool, see, the, the public school system is a failure for so many reasons. When you homeschool, one of the great values of it is that it, it, you know it is academic, you have a curriculum, you're teaching them things, you're teaching them to think critically, think logically, talking about grammar, language arts, mm-hmm. mathematics, all these things in a very Christ-centered way. But their education also includes cooking dinner, right? Mm-hmm. How to clean the house, how to be a good steward of the things that you have, how... How to take care of th- and, and that in like arts and crafts so our kids love arts and crafts yeah. now there's a lot of arts and crafts stuff and my kids want to do this kind of stuff and and it's really it is the government regulations that that make us hard make it hard for us to think how to do as a family mm-hmm. where like we could craft and construct stuff labor together as a family and the kids love it right they're spending mm-hmm. time with mommy and daddy they're creative they, they love to build stuff and You could do stuff like that and build an economy out of your home, just like farms, Mm -hmm. right? The dad did most; he bore the brunt of it, he did all the hard work, but everyone threw in a hand. And that's part of discipleship. That's part of what mm-hmm. it means to raise your children—the in discipline, instruction, in the Lord. It's not to lock them in a little cubicle. Like that whole idea of the way the classroom set up is basically to prepare you to sit like a little drone in a cubicle in corporate mm-hmm. America, instead of to work with your hands,
0: work with your mind, be mm-hmm. creative. Well, the public school system was made with the idea of causing people to lose their Christian faith. Oh was it Dewey the one who there's a quote of someone yes. who started it that specifically said I think it was Dewey yes
1: yes yeah. yes yes yeah and, the, and the, yeah, he was a vowed socialist mm-hmm. yeah, and, and not not just uh atheist but an anti-christian
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then now we have you know like kindergartners or first graders reading Heather has two mommies or whatever in public school
1: it's crazy yeah the drag queen story hour without mm-hmm. without even giving parents notice Mm-hmm. so that parents could even give consent just surprise drag queen shows up at your school mm. and uh, yeah it's absolute insanity and yeah it's by design the public school systems doing exactly what it was designed to do there's no mm. reclaiming it like mm-hmm. if you go back to a a Hodge and uh, Jay Gresham Machen when they first proposed this whole idea of a centralized public school system they said it will produce the worst uh, moral monsters that this world has ever, that this mm-hmm. sin rent world has ever seen. And you look at it now and it's like, yeah, like mm-hmm. no kidding, here we are, right? We, yeah. It's June, right? Then uh, I mean, how much... Like you don't even want to go on the internet because you don't even want to see the profane pictures of all the godlessness as sexual immorality is being mm. celebrated. But that's exactly what the public school system was supposed to do. That yeah. that's not a that's not like oops we could do better. That's like all right it's going as planned.
0: Mm. Yeah, and to all the people that are wanting to come back and say well if you homeschool all the kids are going to be dumb because they won't be taught properly. Well, one that's not true. We'll get back to this that in a second. Two, there are companies like classical conversations that help the parents who can't do it on their own but going back to the first thing um, I think just look at like SAT and ACT scores of homeschooled versus not homeschooled kids and that alone will prove it but for anecdotal evidence uh, Paul Washer is one of my favorite preachers to listen to Paul Washer has a story he was telling one time that someone gave him a book on logic and so he takes the book home He's reading it. He reads like the introduction in the first chapter and he says, You know, it was kind of difficult to get through, but you're laughing. You know where I'm going. Yeah, with I, this. I've heard this story. Yeah, heard this story. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Paul Washer's going through. He's like, You know, it was kind of hard, but like I knew what they were saying. I just kind of had to go through it a little bit slowly and I could grasp it all. And then Paul Washer sets it down and he like walks and uses the bathroom or grabs a cup of water from the kitchen or something. And somehow up until this point, he must have just always set the book front cover down because he hadn't seen the front cover yet. Well, the front cover was this like ink blot of a school teacher with children and he was like that's weird. And so he had skipped like the foreword or whatever or something like that and he looked at the foreword and the foreword explained how this was a book on logic written for school children in the colonial times of America and Paul Washer was just reading through this book thinking this is on par with if not better than anything I ever read when I was at university. <laughs> yeah. I so, remember that. yeah, like homeschooled 10 year olds from like 200 years ago, were reading logic books better than what most colleges in America have today. But yet homeschooling is going to make us dumb. <laughs> yeah. And,
1: and, and, you know, when we first started doing it, boy, we got a whole bunch of grief, people were like that's not going to work. Mm. Da, 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 da. And we had concerns primarily with math, just because neither of us are particularly <laughs> mathematically gifted. But it's like now, and I love, because I, I always said, mm-hmm. wait till they're teenagers and let's see how this works out, right? A, a, a tree is known by its fruit. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, so now we have a 13, almost 14 year old, and they are brilliant. They are mm-hmm. so smart. Um, my Like if you gave that, that book to my daughter, mm-hmm. you know, a 200 page book, uh, she could probably crush it in two days. Mm-hmm. Like she reads way faster than me with my public school education. And... Uh, Like, they they are so academically smart. But also, the other thing you always hear is, oh, they won't be able to socialize well. They need to Mm -hmm. socialize more. And the thing is, is you if you meet my kids, they are very polite. They're not timid. They will go up to either a grown-up or a kid. They don't struggle with socializing at all. I'm way more socially awkward than they are. Like, I've had Mm. to work way harder at it. They are comfortable going into a crowd of people. We go out... Part of it that help what helps sometimes too is they are interacting with grown ups mommy and daddy mm-hmm. rather than a bunch of mm-hmm. stupid kids that don't have their parents involved in their life either, but the other thing is is like you do things like evangelism together, mm-hmm. so your kid- like my kids will go out I remember one day man my se- he, he i mean he was probably six at the time, maybe even five, he put us all to shame and passed out <laughs> tracks he's just walking up to grown men mm-hmm. passing out tracks and so, yeah, so much of what's said against homeschooling is just complete nonsense.
0: Yeah. Um, to use another story from Paul Washer, I heard him say one time, "He's was like, you want your kids to learn how to be social from the other kids their age? I now, this is probably a sermon from like a dozen years ago. He's like, I walk through a mall and I hear 13-year-old girls saying things that will make a uh, sailor blush. <laughs> yeah. You know, they can get all the socializing they need from their siblings and the other kids at the church and stuff like that. <laughs>
1: yeah absolutely yeah the the kind of socializing that's uh happening is is not good like there Mm -hmm. even if you want to say socializing is good yeah there's positive and there's negative Mm -hmm. like uh was it Vody bacham or paul washer said the only the only positive virtue that you can learn from public school is standing in a single file line or something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I I went to public school for elementary school, charter school for a year of middle school, and the rest of middle school and high school, I went to a private school, and I'm still socially awkward, so it didn't really help me a whole lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah, me too. I've had Mm -hmm. to work through it. That's why when I look at my kids and that's what you want to, you know, as a a parent is you want Mm -hmm. your kids to turn out better than you. You see the Mm -hmm. scars you have, the things you're still working through. You want what's better. And the thing that I love, yeah, now my kids are getting older is, Mm -hmm. you know, we did what we did because we saw it in scripture. We saw biblical Mm -hmm. principles. And so we did it by faith. Right, mm-hmm. but now I can look, now that my kids are getting older and going, this is amazing. Like mm-hmm. God really is wise. When he gives us those commandments, when he tells us things whether it's related to education or economy or mm-hmm. whatever, like he knows what he's doing and he's saying these things as a loving father to help us. He's not trying to restrict us from good. Mm-hmm. He's trying to give us what's good. When he says, here's how you raise your children. Here's how you build an economy. Here's here's how you invest money. Here's how you avoid debt. Mm-hmm. All all these biblical principles like god is loving us in the middle of that
0: yeah and you want to build a strong economy in the future have kids that are trained how to be productive members of society from a christian worldview yeah and you know going back to all this stuff going on right now when all the pagans are you know sterilizing themselves with their uh the women taking testosterone and puberty blockers and all that and then the ones that do have or you know some of them are sterilizing themselves with all that others of them are sodomites and then the ones that are still straight are murdering their children in abortion which is why we do stuff like stand outside abortion mills but when they're doing all kinds of stuff like that all we need is like a generation or two of christians to be faithful about having kids and then actually teaching them the bible doing family worship and things like that and in like fifty years, we won't have to worry about the Great Reset anymore because we'll have just won by sheer numbers. <laughs> right, and, and homeschool reformed homeschoolers will rule the world. Right, mm-hmm. they, they, they they
1: they like they are the only ones who are going to be competent. No one out the mm-hmm. coming out of the government school system is going to be competent to to even pretend to be a great leader in the future. Uh, it's just not going to work.
0: <laughs> oh man, you said reformed homeschoolers. All of the. Uh Reform soft complementarians are shrieking in terror at Doug Wilson right now.
1: <laughs> I actually, and you know what? I, I should say this. I, I always mention homeschooling, but that's not because I'm against uh, p- private schools, right? Mm. So, so the important the important thing is. Christian education, a mm. distinctly Christian education, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, not the yep. end. It's the beginning. And in Christ is hid mm-hmm. all the treasures of knowledge and mm-hmm. wisdom. It's just that for most of us, homeschooling is the most affordable yeah. alternative. Like if you can send your kids to a, a Christian private school, get mm-hmm. that classical Christian education or whatever, that's fantastic. Just for yeah. a lot of folks, it's like, okay, we got to be a little more grassroots because mm-hmm. that's all we can afford.
0: <laughs> yeah. And be careful because, you know, not all Christian private scores are the same. I went to I graduated from one. Mine was good. it There's amazing benefits to this day that I got from mine. In fact, I may not even be sitting here in this place if it wasn't for my Christian private school that introduced me to Ray Comfort and through that just set off this whole crazy chain of events that I take too long to explain right now. But um you know, it wasn't classical. I, if, it would have been cool if it had been classical, but it was still better than others. There are some Christian private schools that you know, at least mine had a Bible class. Some of them are like, well, I guess most of them probably do, but some of them are just uh, basically the same as a public school, except you have a Bible class. At least mine, like, sometimes our English teacher or our history teacher or our math teacher would, like, relate the subject back to the Christian worldview. So it was already better than a lot of other ones were. But some of them are basically just a sanctified version of generic public school. So you got to be careful what Christian private school you send your kids to if you can afford that.
1: Yeah. And the other thing uh, that I find, you know, of course, a good Christian Mm -hmm. private school is going to be integrated somehow with the parents. Mm -hmm. But one thing is, is like, I have authority over my children. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we've seen in homeschooling our children is some of their problems are intellectual. This is an Mm -hmm. important distinction we always make, too. Some of their problems are intellectual. Some of their problems are moral. Mm -hmm. And we make sure we... So, so if their their problem is moral, so for example, they just don't feel like doing their schoolwork that mm-hmm. day. They're just being crabby, crying, yeah. back talking, whatever. That's a moral problem. So the Bible gives a remedy that a even a Christian private teacher couldn't do, and that's the rod to mm-hmm. drive tr- to drive the folly front, right. The folly is bound in the heart of a child, but mm-hmm. the rod will drive far from them. So there are some days what my kids need in their education is a wooden spoon across the backside. Mm-hmm you know and and you can't get that any other way and that yeah. that's part of their education it's to realize you have to you know and this doesn't make them bitter I, mm-hmm. my like my kids are so joyful and happy and free like that doesn't mm-hmm. make these stiff little rigid you know lifeless personalityless uh creatures but then there's Times where the problem is intellectual, like, man, Mm. I am struggling with this math thing, this concept Mm. here. And you don't punish them for that. Mm. You don't beat them down for that because that's where the Christian worldview comes in to say we're all different. We yeah. all have different gifts. We, God has wired each of us different. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay that some people excel at math and other people excel at reading. And, mm-hmm. and, and then there are those people that nobody like that excel at everything. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my one daughter. And everyone's looking at him, but it's like. <laughs> but yeah, every, e- everyone's different. And then you're able to lovingly encourage them through mm-hmm. those struggles. Yeah. And actually help build them up. Like, honey, this is okay. You're mm-hmm. struggling with this, but this isn't a sin. Yeah. Well, we got to work on it, but you're, you're not wrong for this it's, mm. it's okay and then they feel comforted and they feel yeah. encouraged and and that actually builds their character where mm. they're learning how to deal with conflict uh, and it's, it, it's, mm. it's it's an incredible training thing and I do think that is a strength of homeschooling mm. that a Chris you know because you obviously wouldn't want to teach or spanking your children that would just not know.
0: <laughs> yeah but yeah um and then you're talking about different strengths and stuff and that's another benefit with homeschooling that each of the parents has different strengths that can both be like brought out to their children in the homeschool. Now, like I said, I wasn't homeschooled. I was private schooled, but still uh, my mom's really good at English. My dad, not so much, but my dad knows a ton of American war history. And I don't think my mom's that interested in American war history, but just like, you know, coming home from school, struggling with English. My mom, like basically tutoring me after school in English to help me do better. And then my dad just telling me stories and random stuff about war history. Now it's like, there's this one thing my mom's good at, my dad's not, and the other thing my dad's good at, my mom's not, but because they're both my parents, I'm now good in both of them.
1: Yeah, and, it, and, and that's, uh, it, that brings up another cool thing about it. Like, so, you know, there'll be times when, you know, I'm working and then the, they're talking about stuff in school and they'll mm-hmm. work through something, but they'll know, daddy will know that better. Mm-hmm. So they'll ask me at dinner time or when we're getting ready to do our family Bible studies or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and they'll ask me like, here, and then, yeah, exactly, each have strengths. But the cool thing is, is it, it also develops a, like a, basically a lifestyle of mm-hmm. discipleship. So you think like in Deuteronomy six, right? It's talk of these things. When you sit down, when you rise, when you're at the table, when you go along the road, mm-hmm. it's not just like, here's your school time. And then here's you know your other time mm-hmm. all of life in some sense becomes discipleship yes you have your dedicated book time your dedicated school time mm-hmm. but you're also learning when you go sit out by the fire how to play with fire properly how to hold a knife properly uh you know how how to do right all mm-hmm. these things you're talking about history you're yeah. integrating even in how you watch a movie you're integrating mm-hmm. your theology in there hey, there's, these people are created in the image of God. Yeah. Therefore, you're going to see good things in this movie, but they are sinners, and you're also mm. going to see bad. You need to use discernment. Paul tells us to think on what is good, true, mm. beautiful, and you, you, you integrate that into all of life.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I, for one, am a big fan of Studio Ghibli movies. I don't know if you even know what those are. Not familiar. <laughs> Basically think Pixar if it was Japanese. Cool. But, like, you know, I'm looking forward to one day when I have kids watching those movies with my kids but they're all Japanese movies none of them really have a Christian worldview whatsoever but when my kids are old enough to really start talking about worldview stuff I can you know look at it and say hey here's this thing that happened in this movie that completely contradicts the Christian worldview here's this thing in this movie that was actually really in line with the Christian worldview but they're not Christians and things like that just kind of show us that now granted this is a movie but it's you know reflecting things that can happen in real life when People who aren't Christians reflect the Christian worldview because they're made in the image of God. Romans two fourteen f- and 15 tell us the work of the law is written in the hearts, you know, what we call the conscience. And also just God's common grace on, you know, goats aren't as wicked as they could be. Otherwise, everyone could be Hitler himself if God let our depravity run wild. Absolutely. And yeah, you can talk, use movies, even like non-Christian movies, to talk about worldview and teach your kids how to interpret things through a Christian worldview. That way, when they're older, they don't go crazy and run wild and not know how to interpret anything in light of their faith.
1: Right, yeah. Teach them how to enjoy all those things to the glory of God, Mm. yes, in a way that's pleasing to him. Yeah. Uh, And, yeah, the... uh, (laughs) <laughs> and we have fun with that with the movies. We have fun with that with uh, even food. It, it, it really is a joy to be able to teach uh, and disciple the next generation, and especially when you see how, how this generation is in the short sightedness. Again, like because we, we teach them to kind of go back to where we began, you know, with with the economy, um, to teach them how to think about economics, to think about how to save money how to steward mm-hmm. money how to invest money wisely yeah. how to use money to to live as a free person to the glory of god by loving mm-hmm. and serving your neighbor rather than just making money to consume consume yeah. consume
0: yeah you know and also teaching your kids like you're saying not to be a slave with your labor like teaching your kids about how you can have productive property how you can have some authority over your income maybe even start your own company so you have like all authority over how your income is made and you can't get fired by a boss because you made a Facebook post your boss didn't like because it was I don't know first Corinthians 6 9 to 11 on the first day of pride or something this isn't a personal story I'm just thinking this probably has happened to someone at some point
1: <laughs> definitely definitely and, and you know on that this is a uh, probably an encouraging story like yeah so my my uh, I forget if she was 11 at the time no she might have been 12 uh, but so she, my second oldest daughter um she's always loved babies, always had a heart for that. She actually started writing a book Mm -hmm. on why abortion should be criminalized, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to publish it on uh, Five Solo Studios. And she's like, is this a good biblical argument, Daddy? It's like, this is awesome. But uh, Mm -hmm. so she recently read uh, two George Mueller biographies, and um, and she really loved it. And so she comes up after reading it. I think it was especially his autobiography. She read a biography, then the autobiography. And she liked the autobiography better. Uh, and she comes up to me and she's like, Daddy, this is great because I want to start an orphanage one day. And this helped me to th- see how he worked through the different issues and difficulties he was having and how he prayed and God was able to provide and uh, the struggles that he went through and da da And she's like already plotting and planning how to <laughs> save babies who want to be, you know, who their mothers want to abort and how to create a, a, a basically a system like a Mueller type system orphanage mm-hmm. so that she can you know provide and it's like she's she, she, like i wish i was thinking like that when i was 12 <laughs> right like mm-hmm. it's incredible uh, how that that stuff gets poured into them but it's a combination of theology uh education where your kids learn to read and to mm-hmm. love reading um and but then also teaching them about mm-hmm. economics so she doesn't just yeah. think oh i should just go get a job wherever one day it's like how can i live my life mm-hmm. and have if i'm to have a career outside of or in within the context of home how do I do this to the glory of God, to think freely? What what do I love? I, I love babies. What would I want to do? And that freedom and that imagine, imagination, it's it's an incredible thing. And you can see it in them in a very young, very young
0: age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you see there some of the, uh, that actually isn't a bad thing, privilege that your daughter is, you know, building upon the foundation that you've built in yourself and taught her that you're, climbing up the mountain and you're going to get as high up the mountain as you can and then try to let your kids get higher than you did and both spiritual things and economic things and one of the things i'm hoping to do with this podcast is show how those are not two separate things that spiritual things and economic things are very much intertwined
1: (laughs) exactly yes one of the biggest problems we have in our thinking generally uh, as westerners uh, as Western Christians, is the sacred secular divide, where, mm-hmm. we, where we want to separate these things instead of seeing all things submitted to Christ. That at the end of the day, it's always about the glory of Christ, mm-hmm. whether we're talking about money, building businesses, or whatever. And uh, it, it's 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 always always about Him. Uh, through him and for him, all things were created, including mm. the economy.
0: Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to say? Because we have already passed 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I could have told you that was probably going to happen.
1: But this is, this is way shorter than my podcast. Uh, so, uh, no, brother, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I am, I'm grateful for mm. what you are doing. Uh, again, we, we need podcasts like mm. this that are uh, talking through things like economics. Because mm. while, right, so I grew up in that whole public school system. And the thing is is like now I'm catching up. Mm-hmm. This the stuff my kids know now, like exactly like you said, they're gonna go, I have no doubt. I actually think they're already higher up the mountain than <laughs> me some days. Uh but I have no doubt that they mm-hmm. will exceed me. And it's because now I have to catch up. Now mm-hmm. I have to educate myself. And so it's great when, you know, I can give them some of the basic principles, mm-hmm. but I can't even give them all that I want because I'm still learning. Mm-hmm. I you know, which is true of all of us to some extent. We never stop learning. But yeah we need podcasts like this uh where folks can think these things through not just thinking about money but thinking about money and economy from a distinctly christian worldview so uh brother i'm really excited for what you're doing and uh i trust that it's going to be a blessing to many folks including myself because uh, i can continue to grow and learn mm-hmm. about these things so thank you brother
0: well yeah thank you yeah so that was a myriad of topics uh, it's all right. I, I blame Matt Williams that I had uh, on the podcast recently because I was listening to uh, his podcast with A.D. Robles, Reform Jellicle, before we recorded this one. And they always meander around and go on a lot of tangents. And so did we in this episode. So I'm just going to blame them for it. Uh, so that was the interview with Peter Boland for this episode of Theana Money. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace.